Here we go, Brian. No, I don't even. I don't even know the the name of the episodes. Like before the very first podcast we did, I had like my notes on my other screen, and I had the IMDb up. This I have like a couple poorly written notes on my <laughs> phone, and I don't even have them labeled of like what episode they are. What I'm trying to say is, I can't do your job this time. You have to do your job. Hey, listeners, my streaming bubble is back with a brand new, fresh from quarantine episode for you. A while back, my brother Brian and I got together over Zoom to chat about Black Mirror season four. Stay healthy and keep streaming. Minor spoilers for Breaking Bad, Friday Night Lights, and Westworld season one. Welcome back to another episode of My Streaming Bubble, quarantine edition. So I'm recording today with my brother via Zoom in our fun backgrounds, you know, because it's quarantine, what the fuck else we're going to do? But we're here today to talk about Black Mirror season four. Hi, Brian. Hi. 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 <laughs> How you been holding up in quarantine? Really bad. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it's been pizza here. <laughs> it's been fine. Uh, as far as this podcast is concerned, it's nice having the flexibility of just watching whatever I want when I want. So that mm-hmm. is nice. But yeah, it sucks not like being around people. I kind of feel like humans typically like being around people to a certain extent, so it's been tough. Most of them, for the most part, I believe. Yeah. But I think what's fascinating is I feel like this time, this point in time is, like, very interesting for the mass just to, like, everyone's consuming everything right now, right? Like, people are, like, like Tiger King, for example. Like, uh, I'm wondering if that would have blown up. I think it would have blown up either way. But mm-hmm. I feel like it was exacerbated by the quarantine because absolutely pe- people wanted something to escape, and I feel like that's that was a problem. That was it. it, yeah. <laughs> and there's keep like there, there's like they're just constantly pumping out all these things like Ozark and like there's like been all sorts of things that have been released. So it's it's an interesting time for for uh, streaming. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Meanwhile, I'm watching stuff I've already seen, <laughs> or I'm getting caught up on other things. I watched, um, I finished Daredevil season three a couple weeks ago, finally. So, finished off my Netflix Marvel series, with the exception of Iron Fist. I don't think I can do it. Right. But, well, I think we talked about this too the last time we spoke, but there's also, like, I'm watching Community through. I mean, mm-hmm. honestly, I haven't started, I just started Ozark yesterday but um everything i've been watching is stuff that i've watched before and i think there's also that comfort factor like i keep i, I went back to community just because i feel like um it's just a fun like lighthearted thing to watch something yeah. i'm familiar with yeah uh, so there's there's that part as well yeah for me that'd be like Shit's creek that's kind of my my default go-to for just yeah something light something funny yeah something sweet yeah. Something great. Um, but we're not here to talk about sweet things. No. No. We're here to talk about Black Mirror season four. So as I was just getting ready to say, I thought season three was my favorite, but I think season four might actually be my favorite. A lot of great episodes. Love them all. Black yep. Museum, the last one, I think 
is my absolute favorite out of this season. It's like okay, you get three I get, little mini episodes in one episode. No, that, that, that's very true. And I get confused because the layout of Netflix, when I'm trying to watch them, I thought that, so Black Museum was the last one of the season? Yes. Okay, I watched it first. <laughs> not that it not that it matters, but the right. way that it's laid out on Netflix was confusing. It um, is. I noticed that with Black Mirror, it does that. It's they're in like reverse order. Yeah. So it gives you the last one. Yeah. But yeah, no, that one, that one I think is my my favorite, definitely out of this season. At least out of this season. I forgot. Um, I forgot about how good it was, honestly. Um, yeah. There's there's episodes, and we've talked about this. This has been a theme throughout all of the um, the conversations that we've had. But rewatching them, like I still have my favorites, and they still, for the most part, hold true. But mm-hmm. there are episodes that I that resonate more now than when I initially watched them, which is really fascinating. And Black Museum was definitely one of them. And and to your point, I. Um, what I was saying before we started recording is that I feel like this is the, this is probably the most consistent season um, mm-hmm. of Black Mirror that I've I've seen. There's no there's no does there's no like in the past seasons that what, when we were talking there were always you know one episode that we were like mm-hmm. I was kind of like yeah I was kind of on my phone <laughs> while I was going on like I know I don't like it yeah. let's talk for like two minutes about yeah. it um, Waldo but I feel like, <laughs> yeah um, but this one is very is very consistent and even like probably my least favorite one i still like enjoyed mm-hmm. so yeah all right well let's get into it so episode one is the uss callister the you know super trekky one and dudes like snatching people's dna's and creating these like digital or vr copies kind of reminiscent of white christmas where there's like these like digital kind of copies living in like a digital world, simulated world or something, not initially knowing that they're copies. So the guy, Robert Daly is the character's name. And yeah, so he steals people's DNA and basically inserts them into his little VR Star Trek world where he's the captain. And he essentially just tortures them and makes them live out his sick fantasies. The end. <laughs> All um, right, next episode. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. <laughs> but yeah, so um, I didn't write down the actor's name, but the, the guy that stars in it, he was also in Breaking Bad and he played the psycho Todd. So he's Friday pretty Night good Lights at playing well. a psycho. Hmm? Friday Night Lights as well. He was in that. Was he? Mm-hmm. Was he a, did he also play a psycho in that? Um... <laughs> Um, he wasn't supposed to, but there was one season, I think it was during the writer's strike, because, like, Friday Night Lights is all about just, like, high school drama, and I, I absolutely loved watching it, but during the high school, or t- during the, the writer's strike, the season got, like, really wacky, and his mm-hmm. character ends up killing somebody. <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> it, it was like, whoa, what the fuck? It was, like, so out of character for the show. Uh, and then his dad is a cop, and he just like gets away with it. So in a way, mm-hmm. I suppose. But he's I, I I like him a lot as an actor. I feel like he's mm-hmm. like he's very good. Yeah. What do you think about this whole the the DNA replica things that they they have in this in this episode, like the technology in this episode? 
So they use this like virtual, well, it's really the game, the virtual experience of being in a game, like flying the ship or whatever, right? Because that's essentially what he did. He had his own, he had his own online world, but he was blocked off from really everyone else and like the main platform and playing with other people. So he had his own little fantasy world where he kept his co-workers, copies of their co-workers and made them do be his crew. Right. I I mean, I think it's messed up. There's, it's, it's a really great episode because of the episodes that led up to it. So the technology and the, the themes that were in this episode were very reminiscent of White Christmas mm-hmm. um, with the whole cookie thing. Um, also, what was the other one? Oh, like kind of like San Junipero a little bit where you can kind of like up, upload your mm-hmm. your mind into something. Yep. Um, and I think it's pretty clear. Obviously, you're getting like one like one side of it, but you're you're seeing you're seeing the downside of it. And I think it's clear that it's like very unethical because mm-hmm. the way I mean, it, it's very clear that the people that are uploaded into it, like the 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 mind or whatever that is like uploaded into it still like has its prior memories Mm -hmm. and is still existing even though they have no like corporeal you know body or anything yeah and so that's definitely uh, that's very clearly the theme because there's all sorts of shit he he brings that um See, this is why this is why I suck at this podcast stuff because I don't know the names. So <laughs> well, I've got my phone, so I've got um, IMDb pulled up. Okay. So the, the guy who played Robert Daly, who was the main character, um, actor's name is Jesse Plemons. Right. Who Who's the guy that is in It's Always Sunny? He's one of the Doyle hmm. bro- Doyle brothers or whatever. Okay, so I'm just learning this. His name is Jimmy Simpson. Um, okay. And yeah, he was always, you know, like that guy from, you know, one of those weird brothers from Always Sunny. But then I thought he he did such a great job in Westworld going a completely different direction yeah. than what I personally was familiar with that I can't even remember. <laughs> like, yeah, no, he's so fucking good. He's, he's so, so fucking good. And he's he has... really good in this in this episode too. Yes, yeah. No, I, I, I he, he is so great. And yeah, he's so great in uh, Westworld as well. Um, but he, and especially in this episode, like he straddles the, like he plays douchey and like cocky, but then he, he also like has his dramatic moments, but then he also has his like funny moments where he's like pulls down his pants and they have like, they have like the whole Ken doll situation yep. going on <laughs> and he's like slapping it and shit. <laughs> it's like the best line ever when she looks down and she's like, <laughs> Stealing my pussy is a red fucking lie. And she just, she's like, that's it. We're getting the fuck out of here. Yeah. Whatever that means at that point. You know? So funny. And that, that was one thing that I liked a lot about this episode is that it, it was like really comedic at certain times. But what I was going to say was when, <laughs> now I can only think of the actor's name, Jesse Plummins. Um, um, <laughs> uh, Robert Daly. Robert Daly. When Robert Daly brings in... <laughs> I can't do this without names. Anyway, so he brings his son into the 
basically to to torture into this like game thing to mm. make him to make uh O'Doyle do uh <laughs> what he wants and like it's fucked up like he literally the even though they're not actual people it's very clear that they're experiencing emotions and mm-hmm. i think that's the important thing and he's he knows that and he uses that to exploit them to get them to do playing his sick little game I did like how, you know, the episode starts and we're in, I like how you go from like original Star Trek look to even like new Star Trek with um, Chris Pines and Zachary Quinto, kind of that look and feel complete with lens flare. Oh yeah, that's a good point. I just, I mean, there's a lot of, you know, Easter eggs and homages to Star Trek original series, but yeah, that was fun. <laughs> it's very it's very layered and like meta in that sense because they talk about this made up show in it that they're yeah that they're paying homage to and stuff. So yeah, it's definitely definitely interesting. The other thing uh, that I realized too is that there's kind of this there's always been controversy with video games, right? About like oh, Grand Theft Auto is it really healthy for people to batter people with bats and kill run over people and and murder Mm -hmm. and stuff i think there's kind of a parallel with this and i think this definitely crosses the line because it seems like you're way more in it and it's really fascinating because we can kind of bridge the gap now with like vr so it'll be interesting to see like as we continue and as things become more and more realistic at what point you know is it do we cross the threshold of it being unethical? Which it probably has more to do with, like, if there's, in a video game, at least in our reality, we assume that it doesn't feel any of the things that we're doing to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in this episode, it's pretty clear that they're feeling stuff. So you have this guy making out with these women, uh, mm-hmm. torturing them, um, you know, like, treating them all like shit because of his real life. And so you it gets to the point not only is it unethical which i already said but it's also like it's not healthy for this guy it's clear that he has shit he needs to work out yeah and that this video game isn't really helping him it's not one of those where he's like getting his aggression out and stuff it's like it's it's bubbling up like really like uh dark shit and oh absolutely so i think that's the other like i think that's the other a really important theme as well as like He's using it like truly as escapism and rather than figuring stuff out in his real life, he's like doing some crazy shit in the VR. Just like enacting this weird revenge over extremely petty shit to these people. Oh, they didn't, he didn't like how they looked at him or something or just bumped into him or whatever. There's just something about these folks that he didn't like. And that's what got him in to the simulation. Right. Now, and I've watched it before, but I guess I keep missing. Like, how did how did he target in on Nanette? Because she was like, well, I, I got this job. I, you know, like, I've always admired you and your work or whatever. Like, she knew who he was. She was more interested in working, like, with him because of her background was and everything. Because in the real world, then O'Doyle comes in and I don't know, I think he's, kind of tries to hit on her but I don't think she was like receptive to it at all but was that what caused Daly to be like oh I'm gonna throw her in my simulation and 
then she's mine in a sense. Um, maybe. I mean, it was it was really clear. She she gave him like she gave him attention, and it's mm-hmm. clear that he does not get that. You know, typically, like he he's, he's his whole character. The whole point of his his character is that he's you know he's this antisocial nerd. Um, no one really treats him very nicely. He's basically like wallpaper, you know, in his office. Mm-hmm. And so she comes in, she's very enthusiastic about him. You can tell that he's thrown off by it because yeah. he still used to be treated like shit. You know, the receptionist doesn't even make eye contact. Um, the guy that's, the intern that's getting coffee doesn't even offer it to him. He has mm-hmm. to ask him to get him coffee and stuff. So he gets this attention and like, she's clearly like flirting with him and stuff. So mm-hmm. I think, I think, I think he feels that, but um yeah, I don't know. That's an interesting question. It's not, it sounds like you're trying to figure out like like what like at what point did he decide to um upload her? But I think it was more just opportunity. Like it's a cute girl, he's getting attention. Like maybe it had a little bit to do with like how um how Otoyo <laughs> was was like like treating her. Maybe he was nervous that like, you know, he kind of lost a chance or something, but sure. just all the opportunity to get her DNA and he was like Hell yeah. Um, so now it won't matter how she feels or towards him eventually. He's got, right. he would have had his copy to, what a weirdo. And I couldn't help but think like, so, you know, this Robert Daly spent like probably his whole life being bullied, um, kind of feeling a bit of a shut in and very closed off to everyone, not having personal connections with people and stuff like that. And it just kind of makes you wonder, maybe it's a little that nature versus nurture, but how much of him and his acting out in this manner was maybe a lifetime of being picked on and not knowing how to really process being bullied or whatever, or was he always just kind of a psychopath with psychopathic tendencies that really just gave people like the heebie-jeebies, you know what I mean? Like maybe- he was always just a little off and gave off that kind of vibe. And that's what people reacted to thus causing him to feel bullied. And then blah, blah. Well, there, there, I mean, there's a, that's an interesting point. And there's, there's a really important thing that happens in the episode. Um, Well, one, they don't have private parts, Mm -hmm. which is fascinating, right? Mm -hmm. Because I don't know if it's in the programming or something, but I feel like that was a choice that he made. That was a choice, yeah. And I feel like it's, and you you even see it in the scene when um, Nanette brings him into the water and they're like, she's flirting with him. She takes her clothes off and she's like in her underwear. And he's like, he's hesitant. Mm -hmm. This is his fucking fantasy. And the chick that he's into is telling him to get in the pool with him. And he's like, He's like, oh, no, we have a mission. Like, like it's very clear that there's a sense of innocence to him a little bit, yeah. um, which I think is important because I think that makes the episode that much more interesting because do you really blame him for doing some of this stuff? Not really. Like, people were treating him pretty shitty. Uh, you know, it, it's, um, it's very clear that he was not um, – he was being taken advantage of in real life and mm-hmm. like no one was really empathizing with him and, and stuff. So 
you know, it's not that I give him an out for doing, you know, doing what he did in the thing. And you, you call him a psycho and rightfully so, but at the same time, like, is it really that crazy? Like, like there, I think there are decent people that would do the same thing because of how, what their life is like in reality. And I think it's like, what's interesting is that his, his, because he created it, I think he, you can villainize him a little bit more for it because mm-hmm. I think he know he's, he, he knows what's going on. But if you put someone else in those shoes, that's a little more just like even, even keeled or yeah, they, they would probably do like fucked up shit in there. Like what, like way more fucked up shit than he would. He like, he, he didn't even have him have private parts. You know how many dudes would just like, Mm-hmm. put in random chicks and just like rape them or like do like all sorts of like crazy shit like westworld actually, yeah, yeah that's it's like <laughs> the first season know? of westworld no, and that, that's exactly um <laughs> and o'doyle's in that scene where it's like <laughs> for real and, like because it's like he's like he's like he doesn't feel comfortable going there um well eventually he does because you know he's like yeah but anyway that's a whole other thing but it's you know he has this buddy that's like yeah like they can't feel anything it doesn't matter like you just fucking kill this guy Mm -hmm. like the more i think about it the more i feel like it could have been worse like oh absolutely and you bring up a a person yeah and you bring up a good point about that um there is a bit of innocence to him because yeah his kind of nervous uncomfortableness down you know at the lake or whatever with Nanette and then the fact that it's just really all he's doing I mean he's he's just he's stealing people's DNA without their consent which is like you know super duper uber bad but really all he's making them do is just play this live out this dumb space force space fleet role play fantasy that is not sexualized in any way it's just i want to be a captain of this ship of my favorite tv show growing up or whatever yeah i guess i didn't really kind of look at it that way in the a little bit of innocence to him the i still think he's a nutbag he, he is a nutbag but the, the and the ending is fucking dark right like, yeah it's it's so clear the message is like don't mess with technology because it'll fuck you over like literally these little like vr people like fucked him over Mm -hmm. it's like i'm curious i wonder like how long he was in there for yeah like dead in his apartment or floating out in that dead space or whatever but but it makes me wonder now like what's okay so what's their life so they're they're just flying around in this like the cloud of the video game and they they can interact with other players who are actual people but they're just like this little vr family ship crew just floating around and can they can they get blasted like do they have lives do they respawn anywhere if they get shot down because then we right. hear aaron paul third season of westworld you hear him kind of like are we gonna that do was aaron trade? paul that was aaron no way i didn't know that (laughs) he didn't say bitch so i didn't i didn't like (laughs) put two and two together (laughs) but yeah so he's like well are we gonna do this well then prepare you know i'm gonna like i'm gonna fucking blast you to shit or whatever and then you know then they fly off but right but i was like yeah if they get do they do they die? Do they take damage? Do they regenerate health? Do they have to like eat an apple? 
I think it's clear. Why am like, I thinking about this so much? I think they're, I think they're NPCs, which in the video game world is just like the other characters, like the other computer characters that just like walk around and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, yeah, I, I think. I don't think they die. Well, no, I, I think the the clear answer is that they don't die because I don't know exactly what happens, but um, they had to go through such extreme lengths to, like, like they wanted to die, right? Like they like they were try- like they wanted to kill themselves because they wanted to just to end. Like that one guy that was the monster, mm-hmm. he, or not the monster, the the bad guy in that yeah in scene. He was like. He was like, I've been really good, haven't I? Like, don't, like, don't I deserve to die? And he was like, not today. Like, they, like, they clearly want to die and they can't. So I think, I think that might be the answer is that they, I don't think they can die. Well, they weren't, they weren't anticipating ending up in the updated version right. of the game, or you know, because as far as they knew, they were just gonna fly through this opening of the firewall patch that was going on in the outside world. And they just thought that, okay, well, if we go through this, then we're just going to basically cease to exist. And yeah, that's better than being one of Daly's little playthings. So when they came out the other end and they were alive and the other characters had come back, um, they're just like, cool. Right. We're going to be, we're just going to do this now. So yeah, love that episode. And then um, what was her name? Michaela Cohen, because she was also in Nosedive. She was um, like a, at the airport telling uh, Bryce Dallas Howard that she couldn't go on the airplane. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Oh, I didn't even realize that that was her. Yeah, Michaela Cole. Everyone in this episode, very good. Yeah, it was a great fun episode. episode. One of my favorites. It's yeah. it's a long one, so it's like it kind of plays out like a like a movie a little oh, bit yeah. almost. It's a um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, but I think we'll just go on to uh, Archangel. So this is the one where the mom lowjacks her daughter. Yes. Again, another episode, I think, less, you know, less about the technology and more about the people. And I understand the mom who was uh, also in United States of Terra, uh, Rosemary DeWitt. I mean... I I get her fears and wanting to keep tabs on her kid. You know, she has like a very, it, it, what looked like or sound, appeared to be a complicated birth where she had to, she couldn't keep pushing. They had to do an emergency C-section, has the scare at the park where the kid wanders off. So it's like, all right, you know, a little peace of mind and, you know, low jack my kid and keep tabs on her. Big issue I had just in general with that concept is the um, being able to see what the kid sees. That's, I mean, it's one thing to just know where your kid's at, you know, just GPS them and, you know, like ping their cell phone now or whatever. Completely different to just pop in like that unannounced and just watch what your kid's watching. And then the filter, applying the filter and, you know, the mom eventually turns it off lets her daughter grow up to still be a somewhat normal teenager doing regular teenager things but then yeah for whatever reason you know she turns it back on catches her daughter having sex and doing drugs and that's 
the daughter loses, daughter finds out that the mom's been spying on her again. And as a teenager, of course, you're not going to be cool with that. And then beats the hell out of her with the tablet thingy. Yeah. Oh, and the fact that like, it's first experimental when they put it in, um, in the daughter when she's young, and then it eventually gets shut down. So there's no taking it out. She just, her only option is just to throw the tablet away, but that shit's always going to be in her daughter. And then, cause I think it was ruled unethical or something. And that's why they didn't move forward with doing mass implants and productions. But I don't know. I don't, I think it would be tempting as a parent, but I don't think I could do it. Yeah. Um, I, I, as every conversation that we've had, I like to play devil's avocado a little bit. Um, because I think, yes, it's unethical. I think having it on your kid to a certain point, like, mm-hmm. would be fine, right? Like, it wouldn't, it really, you really, even seeing what they see, like, even seeing what they see, it's like, you put, you put, you know, you put the thing in, in Ross, and like, you see him, like, eat his boogers, or like, you know, like, like, <laughs> yeah. To a certain um, age, I like guess. Do, yeah. You know, there's a certain age where there's, there's, it, it's, it's like, a, it's somewhat harmless. Um, and even the censoring thing, it's like, we already, like, we already can do that for the most part with like mm-hmm. TV and, and the shows that they're watching and the content that they're consuming on the internet. So there's already, there's already a bit, it's obviously like, like an extended version of it, but like, we already have a little bit of that. So then in my mind, I'm like, okay, as a parent, it's really not that big of a deal to have it on your child, but you can imagine having that for years and years of being able to keep your child safe through that. Mm-hmm. It would be hard to give that up. And what's interesting is like, yes, you can, you can prevent your child from being harmed in a lot of ways when they're younger, but when it would really kick in as your parents and sinks would like tell you is like in the high school years when they're, when they are, exposed to drugs and alcohol sex and boys and shit it's like it's like do you really blame her for looking like think about all the parents out there and all the troubled teenagers that do crazy shit like like you bet your ass 90 percent of those parents would do the fucking same thing i i like i i feel very strongly that a lot of people would do it does that make it okay no not at all but i think but if the if the technology was there and you'd been using it as a kid. So I guess what I'm trying to say is like, it's understandable from the beginning. Yes. And then really see like, it would be hard as a parent to not use it. And especially in high school, like, mm-hmm. like, like she saw kind of what, I mean, I don't know if she expected it necessarily, but like she saw what parents would see is like the yeah. teenagers like doing, doing shit that teenagers do. Um, so to a certain point, I don't really blame her, but then like you get into the, like, like giving her the, the, I don't know if it was like a plan B pill or something like in her shake and like lying about, like lying about like that, like that's obviously like that, that's where things turn south pretty quickly. Um, but I don't know. I do think it's fascinating to think like, I don't think it's that far-fetched that a lot of parents would would have done the same thing not that it's okay right but I think a lot of people would have done the same thing I also wrote down and I you know yeah I can see doing it at a younger age yeah to a certain age at what age you know would that be I guess that would just 
have to be dependent on each family. But I mean, I don't think I'd be able to trust myself to not look at the tablet. So I think I would have had to just get rid of it altogether. The child? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the child. Like, you know what? I'm done with this. <laughs> Keep the tablet. Like, you know, the tablet. <laughs> but wait, there's more. <laughs> but it's like, you know, when, when the daughter was you know, still kind of young and the mom had decided to stop looking at the tablet or whatever and was like, all right, you know, you're on your own today and, you know, filters are off and I'm not going to be watching. I don't know if I'd feel confident in my, how confident I would feel in my parenting abilities at that point, because I've been dependent on this piece of technology. That's always been the peace of mind. I, I can always pull up a screen and see where my kid's at. I can push a button and, and see what they're looking at. Now, at this age that, you know, they she felt at the time was appropriate to shut it off, I think I would, she seemed to like be able to shut it off and put it away much easier at that point than down the road when the daughter became a teenager. There was a lot more temptation there. I think I would have had a harder time initially just putting away. That's why I think I'd have to get rid of the contraption altogether. Yeah. And then not to say that I would resist temptation once they're a teenager. Again, that's why I just, I wouldn't be able to. And that's why I'd have to give them all away. But I don't know. I just, you know, at the age of whatever, 10 or 11, okay, I'm going to shut the thing off. You can go play. You can go walk to your friend's house. I probably have a panic attack. Yeah, it's it's have a nervous breakdown. That's what I'm saying, though. Is like it starts out as this as this like fairly innocent idea where you're protecting your toddler, and it's like it's perfectly fine. Like you have like baby cams and shit like that. That's Mm -hmm. fine. But then, yeah, you're exactly right. Like it would be so. I imagine it would be so hard as a parent to give it up at a certain point. Yeah. Um and. Yeah, I, I don't know if a lot of parents would have the self-control to imagine like imagine, you know, Lee coming home and he's like he's like I'm uh for the uh listeners, I'm scratching my neck like a crackhead. He's like, he's like, Hey mom, like I had a good time last night. And you're like, Lee, are you doing crack? And he's like, No. <laughs> it's like, of course you turn on the thing to see if your like kids doing crack. Like, Lee, you're clearly doing crack. <laughs> Stop doing crack. You're doing all the stereotypical <laughs> things crackheads do. I mean, I suppose it's not really any different than any other aspect uh, in parenting and in growing, raising tiny humans and everything. Yeah. At some point, you have you have to let go, and you have to trust that you've done everything correctly, and they've a, they're going to do everything you know as you've taught them. You, you hope or as best that they can, but it just it makes it so much harder to, you know, cut that cord when you've got that tablet to just at any time pull it up, whether it's a tablet, a phone, just any old thing yeah. to look at and ignore other people. with. This is going to be the longest podcast of all time. Yes. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, I have so much, like, so much more to say about it, but it, it, it is. Oh, um, I know. And there's an, and I, I completely agree, but there's, you know, the other episodes and I really want to get to those too. So hold on. I want to say one more thing about this episode. I thought it was okay. really funny that the end was just like, 
oh no, she's hitchhiking. <laughs> like, it's not like, <laughs> like, it's not like, like, cut to her, like, shooting up under a bridge or something. It's like, like, oh no, she got in a truck that, like, maybe is a weird guy. Like, she I don't just, know. I thought that she was just so- ran away. She just did yeah, yeah. what a, what a, what really, I mean, not any teenager, but she just did what some teenagers do in a, in a home situation where they're, they're unhappy or abused or, you know, whatever she, she had had enough and she was done. And then mom has to live out her greatest fear. I mean, she's standing in the road, screaming the daughter's name, bloodied, still trying to get like this busted tablet to work. Right. It's like, and after all of that, you still lost her. Yeah. So there's no, there's no good way to parent. (laughs) We'll lose them all in the end anyways. Damn. (laughs) <laughs> all right next episode crocodile this one's yeah. kind of rough <laughs> this one's, yeah this one's, this one's pretty fucked up yeah so yeah so crocodile we see a couple kind of in the past whatever driving down hit a bicyclist the male is like oh my god we you know, no one can find out about it because of my career and where things are going and, and the female, she wants to call the cops and, you know, try and get the person help. So they do what any rational couple does and throws them into the water and cuts to however many years, 10, 15 years later or something like that. She's got a career. She's very successful. And we come to find out that her partner at the time, not so much. He's clearly had been struggling over the years, you know, with the guilt. Um, He had, you know, developed a drinking problem and it was now in the process of going through AA. And that's why he went to talk to her to let her know that he was going to go, he was going to like send a letter or something. He was basically going to in some way confess. So then that leads her down to the insane path of killing so many people so many innocent people and a baby yeah pretty pretty fucked up uh before we get into the dark shit i just want to say her house is so fucking awesome her house her house house. her house (laughs) not not your house not your house in evansville her house in fucking like (laughs) in the mountains where her <laughs> walls are windows and like eagles yeah neighbors um that house very so scenic cool. it was you know very picturesque <laughs> yeah. all the murder in <laughs> yeah so she just goes down this path of killing people to try and keep her secret and keep her family together because she's married and has a son you know so she kills like her her ex or whatever realizes that there's other witnesses and meanwhile there's a girl that works at the for an insurance company going around getting witness statements to try and piece together basically who's to blame and how much to pay for a pizza truck bicyclist accident and that leads her to the killing lady because oh yeah the insurance lady because they've got that crazy like grain type technology where they can plug in little thingies into your temple. And as you start recalling memories, it generates on this tiny box, which I, which I thought was awfully clunky, given some of the tech. 
and then it starts to paint those memories, starts to illustrate those for the insurance people. And that just leads her, yeah, to the killing lady. Uh, the only, and I'm realizing this now as you're saying it out loud, like I'm calling bullshit on this episode because like who thought that was a good idea to have the technology where you can like, like you're, you're the whole point of the episode. I mean, it's the whole point of the episode is that it's dumb, but it's like, like d- dumb in the sense of like you're anyone that sees anything has it recorded in their memory. So therefore like you see it, she has to keep murdering people. It, 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 it starts this whole line of murdering people because she has this dark secret to keep from people. Mm-hmm. I mean, that like think about all the situations where people have secrets that other people saw or, or know and like what lengths they would go through in order to stop it. Like, like there would be like people would be murdered all the time because mm-hmm. they, because of that technology. So that that's the like bullshit I'm calling on, on the episode and on it as like, how, like there's no way that it would become mainstream enough where like insurance companies would be able to use it because it, it would put people at risk. So like, like so hardcore. Well, and the, um, well, cause the insurance lady, she said that the technology used to be used more on police, like police right. forces, police departments for whatever. And I can't remember why, what she said, why they moved away from that maybe because even when you crowdsource, a memory and a, you know, an event or whatever to try and piece it together. Humans' memories are still so unreliable and faulty, you know, can be. I mean, we saw when she was talking to the one guy and he's like trying to recall, he's like, yes, there was a woman in a lime green coat. And she's like, oh, it's actually yellow. We see on the screen that it turns to yellow. And he's like, oh yes, of course. It's just the power of suggestion. Right. Ultimately. So it was being used for the cops and then eventually for the insurances. And, you know, she just makes it sound that they're not looking for anything else, regardless of everything else they'll see. They're just looking for information about the incident. Now, I would assume, and because I think they say it too, much like physicians and like therapists, if there's, you know, there's that confidentiality until there's strong reason to believe that you will or have harmed someone, killed somebody, or will hurt yourself. Because I think that's when, you know, with therapists, they can intervene if they think that you're you're truly a threat. Right. So we follow these these two women down this path where they eventually intersect. And it's like, yeah, that it asks the age-old question, how far would you go? I mean, do you think, do you think the woman actually felt guilt every time she she murdered someone i mean the episode's called crocodile because she'd cry every time she'd kill someone she'd have kind of you know a strong emotional reaction but it didn't stop her so the title hints crocodile tears fake tears that's interesting i didn't i didn't i honestly didn't think about the um the episode name i think i have no reason to think that she doesn't feel some sort of remorse i think it gets escalated every time she kills someone because like she was way too i mean you didn't really see much of it but like you could tell she was like oh fuck when she saw the 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 baby but Mm -hmm. like it just it the way that it was shot doesn't make it seem like she had to think about it all that hard yeah 
I think, and I could be wrong, but I just think for me it has more to do with like if you had, because it starts with a murder, right? Mm-hmm. That's a big secret to keep. That's yeah. a, that's a very big deep secret to keep, and that's something and it, that she had been living with for a long time and struggling with, right? So when when we flash forward, it seemed like she wasn't struggling with it. She. Was it, like, Because she was the one initially that was like, no, no, this isn't good. We need to call the police. So initially you kind of thought, yeah, she's going to have issues with this moving forward with her life. But she's the one that became successful. And it was the guy who was originally like, no, no, me, me and my career um, that couldn't live with the guilt. And he's the one that ended up with the drinking problem and everything she somehow managed my interpretation was that she initially felt bad that they didn't go to the cops and they just ditched the body but not enough where it drove her into the arms of chemical dependency and ruin her life i mean yeah she's got a swanky apartment she's about to be honored for some big thing and you know she couldn't have him going to the police because of her and her family now I don't know why I always side with the fucked up people in these episodes. <laughs> I hear you talking every single time. I'm like, it's no, they're not that bad. <laughs> but the other side of it is that in that moment, in the moment that it happened, she she wasn't the it wasn't her idea to dump the body. It wasn't her idea. It was her idea no. to call the cops, wasn't it? Like yeah. she was being responsible in the moment. So it's like from being responsible there and then living with it, it's like I don't think she becomes a villain through like first of all we don't know exactly how long i mean she has a she has a child now i think they said it was somewhere between like 12 and 15 years it had been a while maybe that's a only long, 10 that's a long fucking time and like like it's quite possible the few years right after like she could have been really fucked up and stuff oh, so absolutely um but i i i don't know it's interesting like hearing like the lens that you saw from i don't I don't I don't think she's normal. I don't think normal people would kill that much. I do think that she was put in a situation like I don't necessarily think that she would have murdered people if none of this would have happened. Right. right? Like if she didn't have a career and a family pr- to protect and a and a murder to cover. Like I I I'm not sure. I don't have enough evidence to think that she would do that otherwise which is why I think the circumstance, the circumstances is what are interesting to me mm-hmm. because being, I mean, that could be any of us, right? Like we're in a car with someone, the person's not paying attention. They fucking run over someone. Yeah. All right. You're, you're, you're in a crime now. You're literally yeah. there when someone got murdered. So I don't know. I just think, I just think it's one of those for me, I get, it's like, it's a theme for me, but it's just like, I think she was to a certain extent, her, her hand was forced in a way like in the sense of that there was a catalyst that started the momentum of all this like crazy shit happened like i said someone normal people don't murder like that that's that that's not normal she's clearly got shit you know like messed up with her but she's trying to hide she's trying to hide something and now and now listening to you talk about it so it's like okay so initially in the, the very first accident years ago 10 years ago or whatever yeah she was the one that wanted to call the cops so let's say yeah she got she was fucked up for a couple of years went to therapy got better put her, you know was able to move on with her life and then become successful and now her world is about to be shaken up and it's almost like 
you know, it's almost like, yeah, are you fucking kidding me after 10 years, after everything that I've been through to get to a good point in, in a, in a healthy point, you know, cause everything seemed happy and, you know, yeah, she's successful family, whatever. And now all of a sudden, after all this time and all that anguish, and, you know, maybe she still has nightmares or something. Maybe she still has a bit of PTSD. Now someone wants to come in and just blow that the fuck up. And then, yeah, everything just escalates. But at one point, even, even when you tunnel vision into, I'm just trying to preserve my life, keep my family safe. At what point when you're standing there holding the bloody thing, just like, Ooh, I may have crossed a line, (laughs) you know, it's like she was, I mean, she confronts the um, insurance lady just face to face. She's like, I'm sorry, I have to do this. Insurance lady's like, no, you don't. Nobody else knows I'm here. And then it's like, and then murder lady like makes that choice to be like, okay, well, I know I need to know who else knows you're out here to basically go kill them. And then makes that choice to drive to the husband's house. I don't like, did she like, did she really truly did were her blinders so on (laughs) like, I'm just going to go ahead and get rid of every single witness that could tie me to the string of murders in the last 24 hours. (laughs) That's the thing is like, like, again, like I'm not saying it's okay. She murdered people, (laughs) but it's like, it's kind of comical when you think about it. Cause it's like, Okay, we kill this like we killed this person. Fuck. Let's cover it up. Okay, you're gonna tell you're gonna tell people that we killed this person. Okay, I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> okay, I killed you. <laughs> oh, you're gonna you're gonna find out that I killed that guy. I have to kill you now. So I, I okay, I'm gonna kill you. Oh wait, but you have a husband and he probably knows where you are. Okay, I have to I have to kill him now. Uh mm-hmm. so it's like the deed was already done. Like she she was like, it's clear that she was already fucked. From the beginning, she was so desperate not to get caught that it's she like increased her chances of getting caught, and then she fucking killed. Yeah, I mean, she <laughs> she literally killed that guy in that hotel room, and then like, she, yeah, she doesn't want to go to jail. I I I think there are. I don't know. Maybe that's not true. Maybe people like they're they would feel guilty at a certain point, but. Um, it's just, yeah, it's, it's really fascinating how that all, that all played out. Yeah. And apparently I'm like totally cool with murder and finding out. <laughs> um, you know, under the right circumstances and no. <laughs> I have, um, I have some stuff written down. Let's see here. So I said, okay, what do you got? so that, that insurance chick comes in and like knocks on her door and she's like, like, it's clear that she doesn't want to answer because she like just murdered someone but her whole house her walls are are windows <laughs> so yeah like who does like imagine telemarketers like if your whole like that was a big mistake if she didn't have a house that had w- windows for walls she would she could just like just like <laughs> not move like we all do and like <laughs> and so she ends up having this conversation like that that cracked me up up is that like the only reason why she ended up having to talk to that insurance lady is because her house is windows like that like that's the her house is too fancy um (laughs) and then 
what is the i said you'd think there would be a password or something i think it was the machine when she was using the machine on the the insurance lady mm-hmm. there was like no there was like security <laughs> it was just like boop, i can see into your memories <laughs> i was like you think yeah, you know no some shit. sort of like authentication like <laughs> text or something like it was, it was she just like turned it on and like could see into her brain i was like oh, i don't know about that and then at the end, the gerbil, first of all, hilarious that the gerbil is the one that sees the crime. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So we see the insurance lady using, you know, smells and, and sounds and everything yeah. to trigger people's memories of that moment. I don't know. That's not even the funny thing to me. The funny thing to me is that why do you have a gerbil in your baby's room? Who buys a who buys a house pet a gerbil? That doesn't make like that doesn't make sense for a pet at all. Like you bought you why do you have you're grown ass fucking people and you have a baby and you bought a gerbil and you just like <laughs> have it in your baby's like gerbils smell bad and you just have it sitting in your baby's room like like I'm calling bullshit on that one like no one like. How many grown-ass adults do you know that have gerbils, first of all? I don't know Wait, any living a person. <laughs> exactly. And, and of, of the small percentage of adults that have gerbils and ha- have babies, how many of them keep the gerbil in the baby's room? Show of hands. Come on now. No? So I thought that. No. I giggled. I giggled at that. Like, the fucking gerbil is a, that was so funny. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, the tw- <laughs> it wasn't, you know, they, it was the gerbil that end up bringing the lady down and that yeah the baby himself was blind right so that's fucked up. um in that episode we also hear the uh the song from 15 million merits which after our first recording i did actually go and look it up that it's you know the song is anyone who knows what love is by irma thomas from 1964 so all this time i thought it was just a song that was show. made up for the show or something <laughs> oh shit i i don't remember you bringing that up i remember i actually looked it up um when i first watched it so i knew it was like a, a song because i was i was curious too if it was um if it was a song that they made for the show or if it was a, an existing one mm-hmm. did you find out anything about like what what the relevance of it is as far as like why they chose it not anything as to why that yeah if there's any specific reason why that song was picked okay um, we'll get on it yes sir <laughs> fuck you i mean not right not right now <laughs> any, oh shit all right <laughs> let's see what else we got we, we gotta speed this up a little bit. oh shit all right we got oh shit we got three left <laughs> yeah we're halfway through we've oh fuck all right all yeah. right so next on the list is hang the dj I don't have a lot of written down about this. And I was thinking about it again today and I'm like, all right, I'm actually kind of confused by this episode. <laughs> oh shit, okay. I mean, I liked it. It's kind of another happier Black Mirror episode. Okay, so it's a dating app, but also like a simulation. Here's yes. what I think is, oh, is that what's going on? It's, yeah. I don't like the look on your face right now. No, no, I'm a little <laughs> perturbed by why you're confused. I mean, it's 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 interesting. I mean, it's not. Why you're confused? This is one of my favorite episodes. It's a really good episode, but 
I guess I was, okay, so it's an app. Now, is it like a kind of like USS Callister or White Christmas where there's like a little, you upload like a digital copy of yourself into this app and they run through all these simulations. So even though you're in this quote relationship for like 13 months, it's really, it, it's not a true 13 months in terms of how we know time. It's more of like an egg, cookie egg time, kind of sped up or whatever. Yeah. So then meanwhile, these two people are just kind of off living their their normal real world lives while the app runs all these simulations. And then once they're like, okay, well, we've run these 1,000 simulations and 998 times you two chose each other, bing, you're a match. And you happen to be at the same party. Yay. I think, yeah, I think it's, I mean, I'm not going to pretend like I know exactly how it works, but I think it, I think it's what you're saying is like, is that like you have your it's like the cookie situation where their 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 consciousness is in this mach- machine or whatever the and the the cloud I'll call it and then so it runs all these simulations and I think like you said the like the the cookies that are in the simulation the time runs differently for them but on the outside it's just like it happens in like a split second for you. So it mm-hmm. runs the simulation uh, and just tells you the match. And it, it looks like it's maybe based off of like proximity or something. So like on my phone, I have this app. I walk into a bar. If someone else has has the app as well and they're looking for dating, then and they've it, uploaded their stuff into that same. Then it automatically says, "Oh, you'd be a good match." Like something like that. That's what kind of what it seems like to me. Gotcha. So then is it the point for the couples to like break free from the system like we saw our two main characters do to know that that's who you're meant to be with or that's <laughs> yeah I think I, I think so I'm trying to remember because this was one that I didn't watch I watched like a few months ago so I didn't rewatch it like like recently recently mm-hmm. um, but I think I think they say that. I think they say something about how like it's the percentage of like the whole point is that you're supposed to try to escape with your person. With your partner. Yeah. Or your perfect match or whatever. Right. Yeah. And so they they try to escape like 98% of the time or something like that. Gotcha. Because then that would make sense as to why once they did start climbing that wall and everything broke down that while there were other couples standing around and then they all got uploaded and everything so yeah, yeah, yeah. or whatever got it <laughs> and I, now, I get why i get why you don't have a lot oh no no go ahead go ahead, go ahead. well okay so then my other questions were okay so <laughs> he's so it's all like a dating simulator right so but they stick him in like a shitty relationship for like what was it 13 months or something it was a really long time and meanwhile it's just shipping her off you know kind of fling after fling after fling and then I started like is that supposed to be like symbolic and as to how like men and women date or maybe reading too much into it in that way but then it's like but but why okay so is the point of pairing matching someone with someone that they are completely clearly not compatible with for a very long time or even with people for a short amount of time is that the the goal is that you uh, try to appreciate your thinking about that first match where you didn't boink and boink. where that's your like your match match 
to where you can truly appreciate and then really want you, you miss that other person then you want to be with them and right i i don't know i i didn't really have that question i think um my explanation would be it's running so many different simulations that we're just seeing one of a bunch of simulations. So mm -hmm. there could have been a simulation where he's having fling after fling and she's, she's with, like it's putting, it's like, like not to get nerdy, but it's like giving you more data points to make, like, to make an accurate assessment of what's going on. Because it wouldn't be a good simulation if it was the same situation over and over again, right? Sure. You have to sure. put the person, as far as dating goes, there's so many different, um, there's the, there might be one where the guy is alone for five of the years and the chick's dating or, you know, like there's so many different things that could happen that they want, they want as diverse of simulations as possible sure. to get the most accurate data, I suppose. Mm -hmm. That's the way I'm thinking about it, but I'm kind of like an analytical person, I suppose. Um, but but and that would make sense because they're, they're little life coach compact things were just like everything happens for a reason. Everything yep. happens for a reason. So it's like they paired him. And so then your explanation would make sense in, in that context of we need to pair you with people you're clearly not happy right. or compatible with. And honestly, like, I think that's why this episode resonates with me so much is because I've done the online dating thing for a while. And like, that is a part of it. Like you, like you kind of have to do a little bit of everything to understand what you like and like what works for you. And, sure. um, and so yeah, I, 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 that again, that's probably why this episode resonated with me so much is because like it is so similar to like online dating in, in a lot of ways. And, like the whole like, you know, she's like fucking all these guys and like it's great at first and fun, but then it gets like meaningless at a certain point and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, that happened to me when I fuck a lot of guys. So it's like. <laughs> <laughs> You too, huh? It must be a family thing. <laughs> well, and it's also like on the other side, it's like I've been in, rela not relationships, but I've been dating someone where it's like, and I've seen people date where you're like kind of with someone that you don't really jive with all that well, but like you're trying to make it work and you're going to mm. see how it goes and stuff. Like, obviously it was like forcing them into that situation, but um, to me, I think that was what was so interesting about it is that it like, it, it mirrored a lot of like how dating, it, modern dating is right now. And I mean, I haven't dated in a couple of months, but no, it, it, it did seem there, like that's it. how it was. You got it, girl. <laughs> well, <laughs> <laughs> but, but it did kind of seem that it, that it did, does mirror the dating world. Fling yeah. after fling, meaningless, you know, even at first you might be trying. And yeah, kind of like you said maybe in a sense getting stuck in a relationship that you're not happy with and yeah kind of sticking it out till the, till the timer dings <laughs> the shit that cracked me up too was like the um when he's when he's having sex with that girl that he's like not really oh my into, and she's like she's like you're doing it wrong like try more side to side he, <laughs> you see him like think about it and he you see him like kind of wiggle side to side a bit and she's like oh your breath smells terrible and it's like that's just so funny oh and it was great too because then he was like oh like this and she's like no. <laughs> <laughs> and then it was like and then like he had like another relationship where she was still thinking about 
basically probably what ended up being her true match. Right, so right. Having this conversation all while having sex, and then finally they're just like, you mind if I think about the other person? No. <laughs> that, like, that kind of shit, like, that happens in real life, man. Like, people that are, like, like hooking up or, like, are having rebounds and shit. Not, uh, I'm not saying that happened to me. But um, it's, like, sometimes you're, like, so, like, sometimes you're just so sick of shit that you're just, like, hey, I'm just going to lay it out there. Like, I don't want anything long-term. Let's yeah, just yeah. fucking have fun. And, like, like you're, like, so candid with each other in that situation. Like, that's, a, again, that's another thing that I just, like, it parallels modern dating so so much it's very clear that that like the one of the writers was like fucking had like terrible <laughs> tinder dates and shit and i was like i want to make an episode out of it but... i'm gonna make a good one everyone's here <laughs> i love that episode it's um it's i think because episode. it's a little i think it's because it's a little more like upbeat um yeah yeah, I enjoy Technology it. being used in a good way. We don't see it being used in any kind of negative. Like at first we think, yeah, what what is the system, you know, what is this system doing? It's not putting these two people that clearly belong together together. Right. But this is definitely one where the tech was good. It was being used for good. At least that's what we saw. Mm-hmm. People lived happily ever after. Yeah. Meeting at house parties. So they still have house parties. I have even less I uh, I'll have even less to say about the next episode. <laughs> I don't so okay, I don't have a whole lot to say about this episode, but I love this episode. It's one of it it's only it's the lowest rank epi- episode of this season on IMDb and only like six and a half stars or something. I don't think it should be that low, but I don't I don't know, and whatever. I didn't read a lot of any of like the reasons why some people didn't like it, but right. I do. I love, I love that it's in black and white. Um, I love like the cinematography and some of the shots, and I love the acting. I love that we're just kind of dropped in this world. These people are on this mission. We don't really know what the mission is until at the very end. Um, but then there's like these mechanical dogs that are just utterly terrifying. There's there's so scary they're so fast and they're so smart yeah (laughs) i didn't like it and that's why i like it that's i mean that's that's pretty much it i just it's artsy and (laughs) because it's in black and white (laughs) yeah i I think it's pretty clear because you i think because you liked white bear white bear is that what it's called um the one with the the scalene the child murderer lady and she's yeah yeah what about that one? Like, I like that one. You like, you like the, it seems like you really like the suspenseful, like, thriller ones, and it seems like you like, like, as you said about this one, like, you like to be kind of, like, dropped in the shit, and then just, like, fucking, boom, go. Like, you, like, you don't necessarily need a slow build-up or anything. Like, you like being just set in, in the moment with shit happening right away. Because I feel, I feel like that that's, they're similar uh, in those. In that ways. sense, yeah. Do you think that's accurate? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I I felt a lot of kind of callback to old school horror movies, you know, Night of the Living Dead, maybe just because it's in black and white, I don't know. Yeah, this one, I just, the first time I watched it, I was like, I, I really liked it. There's, yeah, very little dialogue, only a few humans, um, yay, mm-hmm. and I mean, everyone still dies. 
So that's pretty great. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, I guess, the, the, the scariness of seeing this dystopian future, you know, we see a lot of, diff- you know, depending what you're into, you see a lot of different apocalypses and, and you know, dystopian planets, futures, whatever. But there was something about this one that at some point these dogs took over, these mechanical machine dogs took over and humans just were living in the shadows. And there's just something really, really scary about no explanation as to, you assume the dogs were created for military purposes. That's my assumption. And then they got smart and then they took over the world and they're like, we're not going to listen to these dumb humans anymore. They can't control us with treats. And then they kill everybody, yeah. presumably. <laughs> I think why you enjoy these certain episodes more, uh, like I didn't ask those whys, and I, I don't know why that is. Um, <laughs> why? Why don't so you ask why? That's good. It's good, though. Like, it's good. that I think that's the reason. I think sometimes things are, like, mysterious or confusing, and I'm just like, eh, that's just how it is, I guess. Like, I guess there's just robot dogs. Um, <laughs> I didn't really, yeah, I didn't really think about it. Um, so that's, that is... <laughs> that is interesting. I I really like the the scene when she's in the tree. Mm-hmm. She has to like outsmart the the dog and stuff. Like that was that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think even like the first time I watch it, even when I rewatch it, the moment where the dog gets into the house, it's got that broken mechanical paw or whatever, goes into the kitchen, knows where the fucking kitchen is, and the not next block, and it's just like. Hmm, this will work and it just fits yeah just, yeah that shit like that that shit that that was like one of the few notes that i wrote down about this i was cracking up when the dog was chasing her and just had the little knife on its hand that shit was so funny <laughs> yeah i mean i don't that's really i don't like i said i don't have a lot to say about it other than i just i really like this episode and i don't really understand why it's the lowest rated i mean i guess out of this season i if one's got to be the lowest rating but the ending too was like very impactful um Mm -hmm. like the, the feeling of you know you have this whole episode where she's just fucking putting it all on the line she almost dies so many times and stuff and then she beats the fucking dog and you're like fuck yeah like that's so Mm -hmm. awesome and then she's just like I gotta kill myself because they're gonna track me and then you know it it zooms out and you see all the different dogs and shit like that like that was a very um the ending was not what I expected and it was like in a good way Mm -hmm. yeah I I do like things that kind of end with that I don't know everything's still pretty fucked feeling so Mm -hmm. um and then I did read that I guess the reason why it's this one is shot in black and white is that since dogs now rule the world and they see in black and white this episode was in black and white oh okay that's a cool effect yeah yeah so but yeah what do you think of the episode overall and then what their what their mission was the whole reason of them leaving whatever oh that was that was actually kind of confusing to me and i didn't really again i didn't ask why i was just like what the fuck um i i liked it 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 I, I liked it. Like I said, it, it, the season, there's no episode that I didn't enjoy. Yeah. Um, I wasn't like super 
into it necessarily, but I feel like it was really, like you said, it was really well shot and there were like really cool and suspenseful moments in it. Um, what was the, cause I remember there's like the, like, like the dolls or teddy bears or whatever, mm-hmm. the box of shit is like, was she trying to get that to bring it back to like her camp or something? Or like, what, what was the reason behind that? Yep. So they went on the mission to go get a teddy bear to give to one of the, some sick kid back at the camp oh, to try and that's make them feel dark better. As fuck. <laughs> and so, and that's, I think kind of the other reason why I like this is that their mission, it's not even like um, a food mission or water, you know, like we see maybe in like Walking Dead or zombie type, you know, shows and movies. They, they risked everything. They literally risked their lives to go out in a world chock full of murderous dogs for a teddy bear to make a sick kid feel better. And it's just like, that just kind of makes you think of like what kind of fucking world is this where you know and then like how did they get to this point and then where are they held up and like how sick is this kid and how close is this kid to <laughs> the kid's just faking it <laughs> 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 um no that's a that's a really good point and and it 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 makes sense why she at the end she's just like i'm just gonna kill myself because to be at a point where you're going to expose yourself to these murder dogs mm-hmm. just for a teddy bear, like, your life probably has to be pretty shitty for you to, like, be okay with, like, going to do that. Like, I, I think, I mean, I think a part of it is, like, because, you know, I don't know her relationship to the child. Do they say if she was, like, the mother or something? I don't think she was the mother. I don't recall, but maybe an aunt or just it it just made it sound like it's a small group maybe a smallish group of survivors they're all very close they've all lived and survived together for quite some time now where she's able to convince two of them to go with her and they're just like yeah sure we'll go on a murder journey i mean it's it you know part of it they're they're doing it for the kid i i believe but then a big part of it is just they're like fuck it it's like our our life is nothing right now we can't do anything um i would rather go out and try to secure this fucking teddy bear to a kid yeah then then continue (laughs) to live in like yeah trying to give hope to a kid until no one comes back (laughs) and then brought back into the reality of that dark world okay so what so closing out this episode what rating would you give it then it's a 6.7 on imdb What's Jen's rating? Um, I don't know if I'd give it even as high. <laughs> I, I think it should at least be somewhere in the sevens. <laughs> sevens or low eights. I don't think even a high number. six is is worthy. I don't think it's it's deserve it deserves that low of a score. But you didn't just, answer just my question. Just bumped up a little bit. I don't think it's like a nine or a ten by any means. But answer my question. <laughs> I did. High seven, low eight. <laughs> no, give me a number. 7.9. Okay. I just realized we kind of, can you go back and edit in us giving each episode a rating after we talk about it? It'll be like the shittiest voiceover. I'll have the kids do it. Speaking speaking of ratings, this next episode got uh, an 8.7 on IMDb. <laughs> and I'm disappointed it's not higher. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Okay, okay nine a solid nine if not higher than that but black museum love this episode it's like three mini episodes in an episode 
So, all right. What did you think? What would you rate this one? <laughs> I want to say 8.7, but I feel like that's only because I saw it on IMDb. I feel like high, like high eights, I'm, I'm cool with. Like 8.8, 8.9 would be cool, but I think, yeah, like high, high, high eights. High eights. Yeah, this was, this was a very, so we get three different little kind of mini episodes. I don't know what to really call them. So the first one, the first story we get is the cap. I also love this like little roadside museum and I'll just, this episode is just chock full of Easter eggs. So we see like a bee from one of the episodes and the tablet from Archangel and oh, a picture of the Victoria Scalene from White Bear and just all these other little tidbits. I think stuff from USS Callister's in there, just past episodes, it's great. So the first one, there's this technology and all of this stuff is being led by this super skeezy dude, Rollo Hayes. And so he's the one that's kind of throughout the years has developed all this different technology that he at least is talking about. The first one being this kind of neuro sensor cap thing to help doctors di better diagnose pain, symptoms, stuff like that. Some shitty doctor agrees to do it because his numbers are low or whatever and gets this implant, just looks big and bulky and uncomfortable, like this big chunk of things sticking out from behind your ear that once the cap is put on the patient, then the physician's able to feel the pain and better diagnose and everything goes just great until it doesn't. <laughs> And he's hooked up to it when a patient dies. And so he, in a sense, felt death. And then just was completely fucked up after that. Just couldn't get enough pain, trying to get close, as close to that feeling again as possible and essentially becomes an addict, a murdery addict. But, the, but all the shit he inflicts on himself, like after he's just barred, <laughs> fired for basically like letting people die and just being kind of weird about it. He's make, like pulling his teeth and making these incisions. Oh! It would have been a perfect origin story for like a Marvel villain or something. Like, Ooh. like I could see like if there was a spinoff of that, like I'd fucking watch the shit out of that. Hell yeah. Yeah. So... That's the first little story that we get. That shit was pretty crazy. Uh, the second little story we get is this teddy bear. So this couple meet, they fall in love, they have a baby, the wife dies, the mom dies. But they're able to upload her consciousness eventually into a teddy bear. Or no, into his, into the husband's headspace yeah. first. So no hard no never want that don't ever let that happen don't no you get in my brain nothing i don't want to let humanity. me die then then put me in your brain yes because i love you well if i promise uh only to talk on monday wednesdays and sundays <laughs> i'd mute your ass for years so yeah, so Rolo goes to the grieving husband and, you know, basically convinces them to upload her because she's in a, she's in a coma, uploads her into his empty brain space. Uh -huh. 
where they live until they're able to upload her into a teddy bear and she can only say monkey sad or monkey needs a hug monkey loves you very primitive compared to some of the other later technologies we've seen in the in the series so here were my questions for this one so like he's going to the bathroom and she's like oh this is so weird like before like he gets the pause button what about pooping and then how weird is it for a kid to see like his parent his parents arguing with one body you know what i mean yeah i thought that was that'd be kind of fucked up so she gets left in this teddy bear and then she's still in the teddy bear in the museum she's ditched she's abandoned because then they say in this episode too that um yeah they can't do anything because it was did you catch it there is basically like pretty much after like the white christmas episode and they've decided that the cookies have rights right so yeah they couldn't they can't delete her they can't get rid of her she's just stuck in there yeah I, would, I thought that was kind like of a great solution. <laughs> yeah. Like you can't upload her into anything more advanced. <laughs> right. Where she can maybe say like six things instead of yeah. two. And then the last story that kind of brings it all around is, I don't know, the chair. So there's a guy, Rolo is, con, you know, there's a, there's a guy he's on being charged with murder. He's on death row. The way Rolo tells the story is like, oh, he's just this sick, depraved murderer and blah, 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 blah. Gets the guy on death row to sign over his rights. So then Rolo has him after he dies or whatever. The guy is eventually found guilty, put to death. Rolo has his digital consciousness and uses him in his little museum so people can go in and pop a quarter in, flip the switch, and live out being an executioner and watch this guy suffer that they have continued to paint as this god-awful child murderer or something. Was he ever actually guilty? I can't remember. I was actually thinking that while you're recounting it. I, I, I don't remember seeing a part that, like, exonerated him of the crime, but regardless, the treatment was... Mm-hmm. Barbaric. Barbaric. So, because, yeah, so the, the whole time we were getting these little tidbits, these little stories, is because he's got the one random customer for the day, and I'm not, uh, Letitia Wright? Shuri. <laughs> From Black Panther. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so she's getting a tour of the museum and she's hearing all these stories and everything. So then we learn that the the guy that was that had been electrocuted for these supposed murders uh was her dad. And she's like, you know, you're you're leaving out parts of the story about she made it sound like there there was definitely stuff that happened within the investigation that could have led to an appeal or his innocence um because i think she said like contaminated dna or something like that contaminated crime scenes so she made it sound like there was definitely enough i guess reasonable doubt where maybe he shouldn't have at least been put to death but he did and rollo used it for his entertainment purposes oh yeah because then it was with the because there was something oh 
You got anything you want to throw in here while my brain's just trying to patch itself together? Oh, I mean, unfortunately, this this episode was the first, like I said, I, I thought it was the first episode, so it was the first one that I watched, so it's not not quite as fresh. Um, I, re- I really enjoyed it. It had kind of like a, it had kind of like a Kill Bill meets, um, oh, what's that sci-fi show, that old school one? Oh my God, we're like... Our brain is <laughs> too long. Um, Kill Bill meets what is that show called? What it was like the old school like sci-fi when there was like all these different. It was like a um, Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. It's like Kill Bill meets Twilight Zone to me. It has like For the sure. it has like the little like episodes within the episode, and then it's just like this badass female character that's like getting revenge and shit. So that's what I have to say about it. <laughs> that wasn't, that's fine. I think I'm good now. <laughs> I wasn't really paying attention. So, <laughs> all right. So we find out in the episode that Shuri is the daughter of the guy that was put to death, this quote unquote convicted murderer. Yep. This was this whole plan to come to this museum um, was part of a plan to get revenge on Rolo. She ends up, you know, at some point he's like, she had fucked with the air conditioning unit, so it got hot, so he needed water, so she gave him a bottle of tainted water. And she starts laying all this out that, you know, that's her dad. You know, he was, you know, he, of course, she's going to think he's innocent and everything. Um, and even at this point, the digital copy is brain damaged because Rolo's museum was dipping in profit so he was letting pervs come in and flip the switch for longer than what he deemed safe so shuri came to set her daddy free and and get revenge and then and she does so she's able to so she kills rollo and then is able to upload his consciousness into this digital electric chair thing flips the switch on him gets the little keepsake medallion she also takes the teddy bear, so she saves the mom from the second story. And then she looks into the rear view and she says something like, you know, we did it, mom, or just like it worked just like how you said. And then we find out that the mom is in Shuri's brain space. Right. Between mom and Shuri, they enacted this beautiful ballet of revenge. Oh, and then she, you know, burns the museum down. So just to be clear, though, she, when she um, electrocutes Rolo, she, ha- she, like, the whole thing, I-, I thought I remember, like, she has to electrocute her dad to, like, it's what, like, frees him, but it's, like, yes. she has to, like, he still, yes. he gets electrocuted again, basically. Yep. And for the final time, so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yep, yeah, she, she did have to You do made that. it seem like it was, like. Like, yay! Like, let's go get Culver's. This is a happy one. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I love this one. It's got stories and stories, and it all kind of comes around. And can you imagine mom in your head? Fuck no. Why not you do it faster? (laughs) Oh my God. I would be committed so quickly for just like yelling in public. What about oh, dad in your brain space? <laughs> this shit would be so fucking funny. <laughs> <laughs> All 
What about having dad in your brain space? I don't think he'd say shit. I think he'd, he'd be just pretty like, quiet. Yeah, he'd be pretty quiet. He'd be minding, minding his own biz. You'd get like snarky comments here and there, like little sarcastic comments, but um, it wouldn't be as like unrelenting as mom, mom would be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no thanks. <laughs> no thanks, but you know, there's, you know, like I always like to find the fun facts and everything. Well, this one's just chuck full of Easter eggs. I'm not gonna read them all off. So one thing I did notice was that apparently one of the items in the museum is a picture of Jane Fonda's real mugshot. Oh like shit! That's interesting. Because <laughs> it's like a muse- museum of crime, is what they say in the at the beginning of the episode. He's like right. everything here resulted in a crime or you know death or whatever. <laughs> so they got her picture hanging up in there. Did not know that. I got a little kick out of, but <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, we could talk about like all the go into depth about the different technologies used in in each of these little stories. I mean, I think something for physicians to better diagnose and better treat. Again, all these things kind of came up to try and maybe initially at first help people, and then human nature gets in the way and we make it dirty. I it kind of I'm interested in this concept of doctors feeling the pain of their patients for better diagnosis and stuff. Right. Um and you mentioned like like how bulky and weird it was. Like it, it seems like the technology that they were talking about in this episode like was like in between like now and like a lot of the episodes that we saw like kind of like like half not mm-hmm. really like fully like hashed out stuff. Yeah, like kind of see. the first generation. Because I think in like the second story with the teddy bear, I think that's where there's like a, he mentioned something about like a hospital saying Juniper. Oh yeah, because he, when he's telling the story to Shuri, he's like, you know, be, before saying, you know, before people could upload their consciousness to the cloud when they die, people were just in a comatose state. And then eventually right. they got the, simple technology a red and green light to hook up to someone in a coma where they could at least respond right so yeah i think yep these were all that those first steps kind of leaning leading up to something like san junipero and more advanced stuff Mm -hmm. that makes sense would you take would you take part in any kind of like first round experimental they're just like you could do this and we'd implant all this in your head and it's irreversible but it'd all be free no, <laughs> I would not. <laughs> I think you knew the answer to that because I, uh, I did not like risk. So probably not. Would you? I don't think so. Anything that's like irreversible and jabbing into my skull yeah, or eyeball, just anything where any of the Black Mirror tech goes... <laughs> eyeballs ears whatever no thank you yeah i feel it's very interesting stuff yeah i guess that's all i've got for season four it's a good season i actually haven't seen season five yet so that'll be that'll be all new to me well luckily it's only three episodes nice and then did you want to do bandersnatch we can okay we'll do whatever all right and then we'll move on to something else sounds good
as much as I loved, I've loved rewatching Black Mirror and all its sick, crazy, creepy weirdness. I'm gonna, I'm looking forward to moving on to something else. <laughs> yeah, it was a good rewatch, but it's, um, I think especially for like, not to get too meta, but for like podcasting and stuff, it's like, there's so much, like, uh, truthfully, we probably should have split this season into like part one, part two, because there's just so much to talk about each episode. Oh, absolutely. Um, because yeah. each episode is like its own thing. So I, I think that makes it a little, a little more complicated. Mm-hmm. But I have enjoyed rewatching it and talking about it for the podcast, because again, with a lot of just humanity and how humans are, it's just, those lead into very fun and interesting conversations, I think. So yeah, for sure. I've enjoyed actually having something to talk to you about. That makes one of us. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for um, logging on, Brian. Thanks for having me. I guess. Uh, Everyone uh, stay safe out there. And hopefully COVID is gone by the time you listen to this. (laughs) Who knows? Maybe the, the murder hornets have killed everyone before you get to listen to this god what fucking next jesus christ (laughs) murder hornets murder dogs i know it's fine so all right well until next time brian um thanks for listening everyone i just waved so that's where i'm at and uh keep streaming bye (laughs) bye (laughs) <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs>